I'm Mike Buttle, and in this series, I'm looking back at the Isle of Man Steam Railway. In this week's programme, I'll be taking a journey along the old Douglas to Peel line, visiting the station sites and talking to some of the people who can remember working and travelling on the trains. To start our journey today, we'll go down the steps at the end of Athol Street and onto the station forecourt at Douglas, where those magnificent red brick buildings once earned recognition as being the finest narrow-gauge terminus in the British Isles. Although from the forecourt here, the view is as much as it was from the 1890s until the 1970s, a walk through the archway and out onto the concourse reveals just how much things have changed over the past 40 years. Along the way today, I'll meet up with some of the people who can recall the old days of journeys by steam train to Peel, and someone who remembers Douglas Station in all its grandeur is Howard Quayle. I asked Howard to share some of his recollections, including those of the canopies that once covered the station platforms. I do I remember them very well because we used to be living in Douglas and we could come down here and we would travel from Douglas Station to Peel with my parents all the time to go either on the beach or Peel itself or we'd go to Castletown to watch the Southern 100 races and the canopies were always a prominent feature as you walked down through. It felt like you were going on a proper train and that was uh, part of the enjoyment. But one of the things I always remember and we're sitting here in the railway station now with the flower beds in between the two sets of tracks. And one that's always in my mind are what we always call the red hot pokers, the nifofia. They were a large plant, red and yellow, and they were grown by the gardeners here down in the railway station. And that's something I've never forgotten. And how about the, uh, the sunken siding that was, was here for, for loading livestock and that on? Yes, the siding, it was virtually up against what was the original Quiggins Wall and their office block. And it used to be down below the platform height. And I think essentially it was because they used it as a cattle dock to bring cattle in and they could walk off the carriages. Howard also reminded me of the big carriage shed that used to stand where the bus garage is now. It was an object of curiosity because nobody really knew apart from the people who were working here what was kept in it. We used to come down as children but we were always heart scared of getting caught in there so we didn't uh, didn't actually go in the buildings but I can remember them all down there the old galvanised iron rusting away quietly in the corner. Howard Quayle remembering Douglas Station as it used to be. The first part of the journey from Douglas to Peel can still be made by train, as the services on the Port Erin line now leave from the former Peel and Ramsey platforms. Going past the railway workshops, the old water tanks are still in place, although not used these days. According to local legend, the tanks were a makeshift swimming pool in the summertime for local kids. A short section of the Peel line remains in place for about a quarter of a mile and is used as a storage siding. At Pull Rose, the bridge built in 1938 to replace a gated level crossing is still in place. Opposite the electricity power station, the old line continues alongside playing fields that occupy the area formerly used as the Bellevue horse racing course. At Quarterbridge, the remains of a small gatekeeper's lodge are still in place. According to stories of the old times, the gatekeeper here ran a shoe and boot repair workshop in the lodge in between trains. After crossing the busy road, the old railway line runs alongside the main Douglas to Peel Road in a straight line for about half a mile before curving under that road into the site of Braddon Station. The station building here was a small wooden shelter, and this building remains in railway use, having been removed from the site and re-erected at Colby on the Port Erin line. 
Bratton Station generally only opened on a Sunday for the open-air services at the church, but it was also used at TT times and for the Manx Grand Prix. Leaving Bratton, the route enters what is now a thickly wooded section. The old railway has become a public footpath and cycleway. The path curves gently at first to the west, with the river running alongside as the rear of a large industrial estate is passed, and then the sharper curve brings a bridge into sight, crossing the river and entering into the former station yard at Union Mills. All trace of the station buildings, save for the platform, is now gone. But I met former politician David Cretney here and suggested to him that the takeover of the steam railway by the government in 1977 was a bold move at the time. Absolutely. Even when I was elected in 1985, there were 3,500 people out of work, so we were still encountering difficult, difficult times. It came at the end of the tourism boom. Things were changing in that regard. And thank goodness the importance of the railways was as part of the tourism offering was seen and I, I think that's proven and made dividends in the, in the years since. After you were elected and served your apprenticeship, as it were, as a, as a politician, you spent a long time on the various boards that had responsibilities for the Heritage Railways. Was it immediately clear to you just how important they were to the appeal of the island? Yes, uh, and, and I think, it, again, it's down to... Uh, the importance of various features working together as part in particular of the tourism product you know the transport the various transport uh, elements of our infrastructure are very attractive and I think it's been proven over time the amount of people who come specifically for for that and perhaps the heritage uh, other heritage elements really works well uh, for the Isle of Man and let's hope that that's going to continue to be the case in the future. Absolutely. Now this year we're celebrating uh, the 150th anniversary of the steam railway, uh, the 130th anniversary of the uh, Manx Electric Railway but the events of the very first year of railways and Steam 125 were all during your time what do you recall of them and how much appeal do you think they generated? Yes, um, well, with Robert and also with Alan Corlett, the late Alan Corlett, he was very enthusiastic. You know, he's, he's sadly missed. Together, they put forward a, a great programme of working with the enthusiasts, obviously, a great programme of events to celebrate that particular anniversary. And it's nice to see that there's events being uh, promoted this year for this this special anniversary this year but there was so much you know the novelty items in particular that then and since have been put on things such as steam on the on the MER those kind of things double headers all those kind of things are re- they're real novel uh, unusual items and are very attractive and I notice you've been far too modest to, to say that during your time uh, they took Caledonia up to the top of Snaefell yes that's, r- that's right um, and you know who'd, who would ever have imagined that and uh, it was great success I was fortunate to be there where, when Caledonia was recommissioned with again with support from the enthusiasts which have been, which has been so important over the years. Do you uh, have any memories of actually using the trains as a youngster? Yes, well where we are now at Union Mills um, I, when I was a, a youngster I was in, in the Scouts, 5th Douglas Scouts and, and on Timble Day we would go out to uh, 
form part of the uh, pr- procession guard. We would go out on the tr- on the train to St John's Station, um, uh, and also accompanying my grandfather and 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 mum on on the train. They were always very special times, and you know it's something that once you're enthusiastic about it, it remains with you for life, and it certainly has for me. David Cretney recalling the steam trains at Union Mills after leaving the long closed station behind. The track bed passes once more under the main Douglas to Peel Road and runs a short distance alongside another industrial estate. After this, the route begins to curve around to the west once again and runs through pastoral countryside. Views to the side are of the hills that make up the slopes of the central valley that runs across to the island, with the braid in the distance. After a mile or so, the Glendarroch Road is crossed at close moor. The crossing keeper's hut remains in situ and is being put to use on the heritage trail as a shelter for walkers caught in bad weather. Looking out over the fields alongside the old line, evidence of the increase in residential development that's taken place in the years since the train stopped is plain to see. The route passes the edge of Moran School playing fields and then runs alongside the back gardens of some very large houses before beginning a long curve that will bring the track bed into the area formerly occupied by Crosby Station. The start of the old station yard is marked by a road crossing, still guarded by its crossing keeper's hut. Again, this is used as a shelter for walkers. After crossing the road, any evidence this was once a railway station with buildings, good sidings and a long passing loop has been completely removed. To the south side, the infrastructure department depot at Ellerslie, now home to a fleet of modern vehicles, but back in the railway days, a gathering place for a great collection of steam traction engines and rollers and the vintage lorries that helped maintain the island's road network. I spoke to ex-railway man Ian Watson, whose family had long associations with the trains, so I wondered if it was always in his plans to work on the railway. Well, no. When I left school, I didn't have any intentions of joining the railways because my mother and father were working on the railways. And then in 1966, when I was about to leave school, I thought, this is a dead end. I'm not going to get anywhere with with railways. They're not going to continue. And as it was in 1965, uh, when when they uh, closed, my father was basically put on the dole. And I thought, well, I need to be, you know, doing something more active. So I was still at school and... Castle Russian High School gave me a work experience at Peaches Garden Nurseries in Castletown. And from that time, they took me on and I stayed there for three years. And uh, I still had no intention of joining the railways. But then, after my father had uh, finished with the railways in 1969, the then permanent way inspector headhunted me, basically, and he said, do you want a full-time job? And uh, you'd only have to work five days a week instead of seven. And I jumped at it. By the time you started then, the, the, the steam railway had been open for almost uh, 100 years. Had the tools to do the maintenance uh, to, on the line kept up with the times? When I started in 1970, I started working with chaps that have been there. One of them was 42 years with the Ironman Railway Company. He was, he was one of the gangers. And another one was 25 years there. With, with the northern line so a lot of the tools and a lot of the methods that they used were from the very early times of railways there was no modern equipment that I came across anyway at that time uh, it was well into the late 80s before we, we did get any more modern equipment but yeah, the old methods of adding sleepers, that's cutting notches in, in the sleepers for the rails to sit in, cutting bolts off with with, um, with chisels, 
sawn rails with hand-operated equipment. Yeah, it was very, very antiquated, to say the least. <laughs> Who would be your fellow workers? Uh, were there some veteran ra- railway men amongst them? Well, on my part, uh, there was um, Lewis Kenyuk, who was uh, ex-Ramsey line. I worked a lot with Lewis. There was Eric Corlett, who was Burke Crellin, uh, the, the permanent way supervisor's brother-in-law. He was the chap that had been there 42 years. And, and in a lot of ways, that's where I got all my experience from over the years, from these older older fellows that had been on a lot, a lot a long time. There were other ones. There were there was Arthur Sale who used to be on the Port Sodrick section. Uh, he'd been on an awful long time. He lived in Port Sodrick station above the station at that time. But there were others, too many to, to mention, but not as long as. Uh, 42 or 25 years in length, but they were there, they'd been there a long time. Ian Watson. We'll hear more from him later. Leaving Crosby, the route curves right, then left. The views to each side are quickly stolen away now by the overgrown hedgerows. A succession of minor roads across before the view opens up once more. To the left is Arch Allegan and Greba to the right. The summit of the old Peel line is reached at Ballacurry, and then a long straight section leads to the former gate lodge and road crossing at Ballacrane. This once operated as a halt for passengers wishing to proceed to Glen Helen, with the three-mile journey to the Glen being continued by horse and trap or by foot. Passing the western amenity site, the old track bed continues under the nicely proportioned arch of the bridge that once carried the Foxdale Railway up and over the main line to Peel. In railway days, this spot marked the beginning of the station yard at St John's. Let's hear some memories of St John's Station. Firstly, from Howard Quayle. Well, one, of the, one of the things I do remember too was, um, it was going into St John's when we were going through to Peel. How there was a collection of um, railway wagons, coaches, etc because that was a busy area um, you'd have the Peel train going out, which would split into two uh, the Ramsey train coming back which would split uh, being split into two and uh, join up together again and uh, there could be anything up to about four or five um, coaches there each going to different routes it's a, it made an interesting, interesting station when you went to as a child because there was always something going on. Jeff Kelly was an engine driver on the Port Erin line for many years, but he grew up in the St John's area and tells us about his first encounters with the steam railway. Uh, we used to go to Ramsey uh, with my mum. We used to go there for the day. It used to be a day trip out on the Ramsey line. It was beautiful going up there in this west coast when the sun was shining. We used to live in Pretoria Terrace for a time. And the local playground was the sand pit, where the school is now, and that's where we used to play that. But uh, if we got too near the station, George Kellen used to come and chase us. <laughs> and uh, I believe uh, one day you, you saw a train going up to Foxdale. Yes, uh, when I was at St John's School in 1961, I happened to look over the wall of the playground, and there's this engine and wagons going up, up the track, up towards... Foxdale. I never thought anything of it at the time. Uh, I was only later that I was told that it was the last one to go up there. And it was number eight, Fenella, that was on it. And um, what were they going up there for? Uh, they were just clearing everything from the top, any rails or, you know, uh, things, clearing the place out and getting it back to Douglas. Jeff Kelly, 
We'll catch up with him again in the next programme. But now some more about that last strain to Foxtail, this time from Ned Kenyuk. I heard a tale. Now, it's unqualified and I don't know. Um, I'll tell you as it was told to me. The driver was told that the bridge that crosses the road at the forestry board um, they weren't sure how sound it was and they were to treat it with caution. Imagine saying that to somebody. <laughs> but uh, they went up to Foxtel and uh, when they're coming down, they're a little bit uh, cautious. And I said to the man, that I said, I bet they knocked the brake off and went cross at 50 mile an hour. He said, no, the total opposite. When they got to the bridge, they stopped and the driver and the fireman and the guard got off and let the train trundle over the bridge on its own and they picked it up again on the other side. Can you imagine that happening today? The story of the last train to Foxdale, as told by Ned Kenyig. Let's stay with Ned for a few more minutes and listen to his memory of travelling to Peel by train as a youngster on an errand to collect a pitch for. I've travelled on the train into Peel. I was sent to buy a pitchfork in Kelly's, the seedsman, they had a, a warehouse by the Creek Hotel in Peel. And I was sent to buy this pitchfork. My father was making hay. And I wasn't allowed to leave the warehouse until the man that sold me the fork put two corks over the end of the prongs so as, we, so as it wasn't seen to be an offence. And I was riding in the guard's van. There was nobody else on the train. <laughs> And set off up. And them days, you know, the train would... Well, you know, the train would stop, request stop. And they let me off. I do remember um, uh, travelling on that. Um, not too much detail, but I had an uncle, Uncle Jack, Jack Lowney. He was, he was driving. Um, he used to, drive, used to drive us to school. I didn't realise at the time what he was doing. Every time he got out at St John's, every time the train stopped, he got out with an oil can and a rag. And I didn't realise all the lubrication was total loss. And they had to keep oiling these things. And they were... Uh, they were dedicated people. Leaving St John's Station behind and crossing the road is the site of the former Central Hotel, the Farmer's Arms, and the St John's Cattle Mart, all now demolished. The mart provided good business for the railway, with cattle trains being utilised to convey livestock to the markets and back. For almost the next half mile, the trains to Peel and Ramsey ran side by side, giving recollections of the Great Manx train race, which occasionally provided the spectacle of two sets of locomotives and carriages running side by side over the straight double track, until the inevitable parting of ways as the two lines crossed the neb at Ballalise. Here, the Ramsey train turned off to the right on an uphill climb, whilst the Peel train began its descent down the valley in a long, gentle curve. The River Neb is never far away and often runs immediately alongside. The views to the left and right were of Slewalian and the rich pasture of some of the island's best farmland. Up ahead, the tower on top of Peel Hill. Further on to the right-hand side, the old line passes the edge of the Peel Golf Course. The railway here had to be relayed after construction as the area was and still is prone to flooding. A section of track here was once washed away, causing services to be suspended until repairs could be made. On the apex of the curve leading towards Glenfarber Bridge and the old mill was the position of the junction with the military branch line built to serve the Nokalo internment camp. This two-mile railway opened in September 1915 and was closed after the decommissioning of the camp at the end of the First World War. Passing the mill and through the bridge, to the left were the quarries of the former Peel Brickworks. The works themselves were once connected by a horse-drawn plateway. 
The Heritage Trail ends here and the way ahead is now an access road for the industrial estate that sprung up over the course of the last 50 years. And when the wind is in the right direction, the not altogether unpleasant aroma from the kipper factories will still be as evident today as it once was to passengers using trains until 1968. The old line crosses Mill Road at the top of the Peel Harbour. To the right, the small but fascinating transport museum. On the left-hand side could be seen the body of an original four-wheel coach, C1, used on the opening day of the railway back in July 1873. Now mounted on a specially built platform and accompanied by a signal and level crossing gate. From this point, though, the former railway landscape has been obliterated by a large car and boat park. The area further changed forever by the erection of the House of Manannan. Stephen Lace was a steam engine fireman and was on the footplate of the very last passenger train from Peel in September 1968. A postcard is still available, allegedly showing this occasion, with the engine sporting a skull and crossbones board with the legend Douglas or Bust written on it. But Stephen's recollection of events is quite different. Number five was sat there in Peel Station with this board on it and he set off for St John's to push the, the display engines back in. We used to pull them out in the mornings and there was five of them sat there. And that engine used to set off, as soon as the train from Douglas arrived in Peel, he'd set off St John's light engine. And then we would run around, get water, and connect our train to his train, which he'd brought in earlier, and set off back St John's. And we got to St John's, he was waiting at the bottom end of the tank, and he used to couple on the front. He showed his board on. We were surprised George Crown hadn't made him take it off. It was a different story of Crosby. Fred Evans, my uncle Fred, he said, get that off there, because you're not leaving here. You don't get the staff, he says, until you get that off there. And in the end, he took it off. And as far as an old Fred kept it, Crosby. That's the last we heard of it. But he said, you don't go to Douglas with that stuck on the front engine. Memories of the last passenger train from Peel with Stephen Lace. At the time, Stephen and his fellow workers had no idea that the train services on the line would be finishing. They didn't find out until much later. From September 1968, Peel Station fell silent. There were occasional workings out as far as St John's from Douglas to collect and swap over stock. And then in October 1970, the very final trains ran out along the line to Peel. These were to collect waste product from the gasworks, which was being used as weed killer. Ian Watson was part of the gang involved with these trains. Well, I volunteered to go as a gate opener on the uh, on the engine from Douglas out to Peel and I was uh, on with John Elkin who was the driver and Geoffrey Kelly who were the who was the fireman and um, it was quite exciting actually going out along the old Peel line every now and again you'd hit a, a spike that had been put in the joints uh, or you'd start slipping on the overgrown rails because you've got to remember nothing had really travelled on it uh, on that track for quite a, a long time. We, we got out to St John's and uh, there was quite a few photographers watching what we were doing. Then we got out, we went out to Peel and uh, Stephen Lace was out there with the digger uh, and we had to actually empty the old retorts from Peel Gasworks and that was of what we called Blue Boggo. Mm. And that there was a very toxic substance <laughs> which when you got it on your clothing or got it on your, anywhere in your hands, you would smell 
really, really badly. Anyway, we, we, we brought this train out to Peel. I think there was five or six wagons on it. We filled them up with this bog ore across because the, the back of Peel station was right onto the, the gas works. And um, so we loaded them up. But the other thing was, <clears throat> there was that many reports of gas leaks when that train was going from Peel to Douglas. <laughs> they couldn't believe it, the, the gas authority, because it was fresh stuff yeah. that had been dug. The very last steam train from Peel, remembered by former railwayman Ian Watson. The first cross-island passenger train journey from Douglas to Peel took place on July the 1st, 1873. The steam railway later was to connect almost all of the principal towns on the Isle of Man, and until the mid-1950s there was nothing better equipped to move large numbers of people, whether to the beaches and glens or to St John's on Tinwell Day. Although the railway to Peel is long gone, the line to Port Erin survives today under the protection of the government, and as a tribute to the vision and enterprise of its Victorian builders and promoters, and long may it continue to do so. In next week's programme, I'll journey north from St John's along the old steam railway route to Ramsey, calling in on the way at some of the closed stations and at that playground of so many Fond Island memories, Glen Willen.